Welcome to Facing Vert, both on trails and in life. I'm your host, Tara Jordan, and today I have back with me, Brandon Thrower. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> so I'm bringing Brandon back on because um, on November 17th, the, is it 18th? Oh, gosh, I even got the date wrong. So November 18th, I need to remember that because I'm helping. <laughs> um, there's the Looking Glass 100K. So this is the first year of that distance. It has been uh, a 50-miler for a couple years, and now the course has been extended to, I think, what you originally wanted it to be, um, the 100K, right? Yeah, so um, I think when we were talking uh, last time, uh, we had – planned a route in the Mount Mitchell Old Fort area, and we weren't able to leave out of Camp Greer, so we pivoted to our backup route for the 50-miler that we were planning, which was in Looking Glass. And uh, and now that we are able to host the race out of the back of Camp Greer, um, we did our 50-miler is now in Mount Mitchell, and then we switched. We were like, well, let's do 100K at Looking Glass this year differentiate the two and um there are no 100ks in western north carolina that i'm aware of uh that are it, this type of backcountry thing there might be some like multi-loop um timed events but uh yeah no specific 100k route laid out so and i think this is going to be one of the most beautiful courses out there just because of the views. That's the hope. That's the hope. <laughs> hoping yeah. for good weather. Yeah, hoping for good weather. So what weather. is your ideal weather for, for this? Like, what would you like to see? I mean, you know, a typical fall day, you know, highs in the upper 50s, lows in the upper 30s, and sunny to partly cloudy skies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering what your what, dream like, is. Wouldn't that be what everybody wants? Yes, of course. <laughs> well, um, you never know in November, especially here. Never know. You know, yesterday was almost 80 degrees, and Sorry. today is, what, in the 40s right now? Mm -hmm. So I think the high is 50-something. So, yeah, yeah well, you just never know around here. You just never know. The weather is always, you know, the spring and fall, the weather is just always super unpredictable. I guess mm -hmm. even winter. Um, so we'll always get those random, like, warm winter the summer days. days. Yeah, be like 70 degrees, and you're like, it's January. <laughs> right, what's going on? So are you excited about the event? A little bit nervous um, since this is kind of, it's like a first time race. Yeah, all, all of the above, obviously. Um, so, uh, you know, we have a, we feel pretty good about, you know, everything's come along really well. We're, we're getting uh, a lot of volunteer help. Uh, I think we still are looking for a few more, but for the most part, we're, we're pretty solid on volunteers and uh yeah we just we just been super busy with our other fall events so we're just right. you know, now we're getting into full-on prepare for looking glass 100k mode uh in these next three weeks so you're uh, ready yeah and we we just thought it'd be a great idea to come uh join you and uh talk about the course right uh from our last conversation you mentioned how much you enjoyed listening to uh, my long-winded hellbender <laughs> uh, course preview uh, podcast with Aaron Saft. Um, so uh, I was like, well, maybe someone wants to hear this. <laughs> I, I think I think many people do. And, you know, from 
from what I've heard, they're excited about this episode just to to hear everything about the course, especially people that don't live here. I mean, we, you've got people coming from all over to to run this race, and many people haven't even been to this area. So, yeah. I think to to walk through the course is going to be great. But you said you're good on volunteers, except for maybe you would like a few more if possible. I mean, we can we we always we can always use, use them. Always use extra volunteers. Right. To say just because we say that we're good on volunteers, it means at this moment. It looks like we have enough people to fill every spot, um, or every spot. But it's always great to have extra people at yeah, spot because things just happen. Like, just like uh, when people sign up for a race, you know, there's always like a 10, 10 to twenty percent no show rate. So right. That can kind of do the same on volunteers. <laughs> right. You know, when you're at the minimum number, you know, you, you don't have a lot of wiggle room for people to to back out. And so. how many runners do you have registered? We are currently registered uh, that are still saying that they're running. We are at 125. Is there a certain amount that you want? So we were we were shooting for 135 this year. That was oh, that close. was our goal. Um, okay. Uh, we technically had 135 sign up. We've had a few people back out. Mm-hmm. We've probably had 15 people cancel so far. Okay. So and people can still register if they want yes, to. They can still register up until. Uh, a week before the event. Okay. And then after that, we need to set everything because we will be using uh, GPS tracking for for runners, and we got to get all those assigned, and then they got to ship them to us from. Right. I think they're in they're based in Virginia. Um, Shenandoah said, you know, we're gonna have to get all that shipped and everything for us to have it ready for race yeah. day. So, got to have enough time. Yep. So. Tell me about the schedule. Obviously, I had the date wrong, but I think you've got packet pickup on the 17th. On the 17th okay, I think yes. that was where I was yeah, yeah. remembering. So what time is that? And um, So we'll be doing packet pickup from uh, 3 to 7 o'clock, uh, so 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., and we'll be doing that at Oscar Blues uh, Brewery, uh, their taproom location in uh, Brevard, Pisgah Forest, um, uh, which is pretty close. So we'll be set up there. Uh, and we'll have packet pickup uh, there. And that is a mandatory pickup. So everyone must pick up um, Friday night between uh, 3 and 7. Um, and then uh, that way everyone gets their bibs. There's nothing going on. The reason we're doing that is the race starts super early. It starts at 4 a.m. the next morning. So no so, packet pickup the morning of. Yeah. Uh, we'll need everyone to check in. Um, and that when you come on uh, Friday morning, the only thing that we're going to be doing is doing a gear check and giving you your GPS tracker and making sure you know that morning. Okay. And that's very similar to what we did for Hellbender this year. Um, so, you know, everybody picks up the night before and then the, in the morning of you're just showing us that you have all the, your required gear for the, the event and you get your tracker and you're good to go. Okay. So, so one question is, can you have someone pick up your packet for you or do you have to be there in person and do they need a driver's license or anything like that to, to show who they are? So um, if you don't think you can make it in time for that, just email me and we'll, we'll figure it out. Ideally we would prefer the people who are picking up be the person right. that is running the race. Um, and that's kind of our policy for all of our races is we want to see the face behind behind the runner yes (laughs) okay perfect so you said start time is at four 
3 p.m. No, oh, I'm sorry. The race. The race. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think we covered packet yes, pickup. Packet. Is there anything else I need to know about packet pickup? That's it. Um, we might have a kind of a pre-race briefing the night before there. We still need to figure out uh, what we can do in that space at Oscar Blues. We will be on the outside. They have a big covered patio mm-hmm. uh, with some heaters. So even if it's cold, there should be enough heat blasting down on people. Um so, but we should be in that area. Um, just not sure if we'll have like a pre-race meeting since there's a lot of public being there as well. Right. Um, uh, you know, we'll obviously have a pre-race talk chat before the race starts the morning of. Okay. Uh, but hopefully everything will be covered in the participant guide, which we'll be sending, sending out later this week. Um, it's almost done. So we'll be sending it out probably around the time this episode airs. Great. Okay. So, Perfect. Yeah. So back to start, they they get there and they have until what time to pick up their... Um, 3 a.m. is when we'll start uh, checking everybody in. Okay. So you'll need to check get in. Get their tracker. Um, and then you'll get your tracker. Uh, and then we'll turn your tracker on then at that point as well. Um, and uh, then you'll be good to go. And Race uh, start. Race starts at 4 a.m. That is that is an early start. It is an early start, yes. <laughs> so is there a reason that you decided to start at that time? So the main reason is um, we are going into one of the most popular areas in uh, the Pisgah National Forest up on Black Balsam. Mm-hmm. And our, ideally, we would like to clear that section before it gets crowded with the public. Gotcha. And so the cutoff tank... Cutoff time at Black Blossom is uh, is 12 p.m. And uh, so that allows us to kind of be up there, set up before you, all the parking gets kind of filled up. Uh, it is a crew accessible spot as well. So we're going to be taking up a lot of parking uh, for people who have crews. Uh, so we want to allow uh, the public the opportunity to still enjoy that space right. and not have any, any conflicts there. So okay. Uh, to necessitate that, we need to make sure we start early. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's yeah. there's your reasoning. Yes. And to make it just a little harder, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> That's what know. we'll say. No, no sleep there, the night before. There's no <laughs> chance. There's no chance that you would run this race without running a little bit of this race in the dark. That is even, very no true. No matter what time we started. So, And what is the what is the end, like the... How how long do they have to run this race? So... I know there's different cutoffs, which we'll go so through. So, yeah, but. we had... So, we had... Um, Originally set out for a 20-hour cutoff. Um, we've looked at uh, some people who've been doing some training runs in the area and uh, kind of getting a gauge on where they're at and seeing how, you know, those things. And we're talking very paces. So we got people who back of the pack, front of the pack, but we've just been watching the Strava and seeing kind of what pace they should be hitting. So um, with that, we've decided to uh, increase the cutoff a couple hours. Um hmm. uh, so we'll have a 22-hour cutoff, and okay. that affects things a little bit differently than the 20-hour cutoff. Um, not not drastically, but um, it would definitely help people out for sure uh, during the event, and we think it will allow us to have a, a little bit higher of a finisher rate. Um, you know, we want, we want the race to be challenging. The tr- race is going to be challenging, obviously, but we also want to respect, you know, the time of our volunteers, uh, the time of our race staff, um, so, uh, you know, 22 hours feels like a good medium in, sure. that, in that range. So it's very doable for people who 
um, our experience and, you know, might be on the slower end, but very experienced uh, runners. Uh, it allows them that opportunity to finish the, finish the race. Um, but, it, you know, it'll still be, it'll still be, still be tough. tough. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what is the elevation gain and loss? So it's about, um, you know, depending on what software <laughs> what you're, looking you're at. using, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, the main software we've been using mainly has been Strava and CalTopo. And uh, CalTopo reads out uh, 13,600 elevation of up and down. Right. Vice versa. So a total elevation change of you know, about 2,700 feet. It's pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's a climby one. It is. <laughs> um, and for those who are familiar with tunnel events, a lot of that climb is front-loaded. Um, okay. In the front half, uh, the heartbreaker is the same way. The, the first half is way harder than the second half. Heart, hellbender is the same way. Same way. Yeah. First half is harder than the, the second half. So, um, you know, we really, we really, really want to, you know, kick you in the teeth at the beginning, and then you know, <laughs> hopefully you can survive and, and and let gravity do the rest for you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, which is kind of the way I like to to run. That's just my personal personal philosophy if i'm if i'm out on a training run i'd rather get all the hard stuff done early and then cruise then it relax and, and cruise it <laughs> right so, so the last thing i want to see is a climb at like mile oh no you know, agreed one mile from where i'm <laughs> the finish done yeah <laughs> so. so let's walk through the course and so we you start at four and where does that start so it's going to start um it's i think the locals call it Smoker's Cove, but it's basically the trailhead for the Black Mountain Trail. So it's very close to the Pisco Ranger Station. It's adjacent to the Pisco Ranger Station. It's off Thrift's Cove Road. Um, uh, so there's a little field out there, and that's where a lot of events, uh, especially mountain bike events. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you've ever done a Pisco production event, most of their events starts from there. Um, so that's where it'll be starting and finishing. Um and like I said, it's really it's really close to the Pisco Ranger Station, um, and across the road from Davidson River Campground. Okay, so um, that's where we'll start. Um, so we'll start pretty early. We'll cross two seventy six um, there, and then we'll get on uh, uh, Art Lobe for a short bit before we get on Joel Branch Road, and. Then we'll be on Joel Branch Road until it intersects back up to um, Art Lobe Trail. And then we'll be on Art Lobe Trail for the next three or four miles uh, from there. So um, Joel Branch Road is a gravel road. Um, So that first, you know, the first... uh, First three miles or so are going to be gravel. Okay. Um, so that allows to spread out. It's also dark. It'll allow you to kind of get yourself adjusted and not feel like you're tripping over everything immediately. So they don't need to really worry about kind of bottlenecking because it's going to be gravel. Yeah, it'll be gravel for, okay. for that they'll first They'll be able to bit. spread out. Yeah, Great. so they'll be, be able to spread out. And then you'll hit the Art Lobe Trail um, about three, somewhere roughly around three miles in, maybe a little bit shorter. And then uh, you'll be... Uh, on the Art Lobe until mile seven, and that's at Cat Gap. And when you get to Cat Gap, um, at that point, you will uh, 
start heading downhill. And there is a a, uh, a water stop, uh, another road crossing. You cross Forest Service Road 475C, which is Horse Cove Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will be your first um, quote-unquote aid. It won't be a full aid station. Um, it'll just be uh, fluids, so water and scratch. And how many miles is that in? That'll be, um, I think it's just over five Yes, it's 5.3. 5.3 is that spot. So you've got a fluid top off. You've probably gained roughly about 1,500 feet in the first five five miles. And the Art Love Trail is single track for those that... Yes, single track. Been there for a long time, so there's (laughs) lots of routes. (laughs) Yes. Um, But in this section, it's mainly a a steady climb. uh, with some runnable sections in there as well. Um, you know, once you get past Horse Cove Road, you do cross over like the first summit uh, of, of of a mountain, and then you kind of descend down into Cat Gap. Um, right. And shortly after that summit is when you uh, get down to Cat Gap. And then when you're on Cat Gap, you're going to take a right there, and uh, that's going to take you down to John Rock uh, Trail. And so there's some like rutted out sections here in that descent and then that climb back up to, to John Rock. Um, and so be careful. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of rooty, but it's a very popular hiking, you know, mm-hmm. loop. So it's, it's well worn in. Um, but there are plenty of rocks and plenty of roots in this, in this section. And, um, depending on what time you get there, um, you might be able to see the sunrise. Uh, if you're, if you're super fast, you're going to still be in the dark at this point for sure. But um, if you're kind of leaning towards the uh, the back of the pack, uh, you'll be starting to see some alpine glow right around that time. Okay. So uh, when you do approach John Rock, make sure you don't run off the top of it. It is a, it is a cliff. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, a really good point. <laughs> but the trail doesn't, re- the trail technically doesn't go onto the cliff section. There is a couple like short little out and backs that you can go see. So if you're looking for a view, um, you know, maybe the moon's out and it's a clear night and you can see looking glass across the way. Um, if you're still, you know, in the morning and then, uh, but you know, some of you might be catching that like early Alpine glow. Um, Good thing. They're not like loopy at this point yeah. from tiredness. So they don't yeah. <laughs> walk off the cliff. Yeah. I think, I think that sunrise is roughly around seven o'clock at that time of year. Okay. Um, so, uh, the cutoff at the fish hatchery, which is the next aid station is seven forty. Uh, which is about, um, yeah, it's roughly about two miles from the from John station. Rock. Yeah, from okay. John Rock. So, uh, yeah, if you're in the back of the pack, you might see some some sunrise action uh, up there off on John Rock. Uh, but for for most people, getting down into the fish hatchery area, um, that's probably when we're going to start seeing a little bit of light. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that that early morning light before the sun rises. And that's your um, first major aid that's station? That's the first major aid station, and that's at the Fish Hatchery. Very easy to get to from the start. You literally take a right on US W 76 and take a left on Fish Hatchery Road. And it's right the there, there on your left. It's right there on your left. So. And is that, and then you said that was the crew accessible? That there? is crew accessible. So that's the first crew accessible spot. 
Um, there is no drop back there just because it's super early, um, but it's ready made for a crew spot. There's a hundred car parking lot there, so yeah. Um, so that is the first crew accessible point. Um, and what and that's kind about of about mile ten, ten point two something okay. around there. What kind of food will people expect to see at these aid so, stations and drink? Yeah, base. So we'll have obviously water, and we'll have scratch labs uh, for our hydration beverage. Okay. Um, or electrolyte beverage, um, and the flavor there, it will be, uh, lemon lime is what we have. Uh, and that'll be at every aid station. Uh, and then aid station food, uh, will consist of, you know, the regulars, um, you know, peanut butter pretzels, uh, chips, um, gummy bears, <laughs> gummies, you know, all the snacks <laughs> that, that you could expect, uh, on top of that, those first early aid stations are going to have uh, coffee. So the first two aid stations, because it's still early in the morning. I know people are trying to wake up, mm-hmm. might need that extra caffeine boost. Um, so we'll uh, we'll have coffee at those aid stations. Uh, there'll be broth at most hot broth at most aid stations, um, and then each aid station will have uh, some, another hot food that will vary by aid station. So it could be, uh, you know, bean. Uh, bean or cheese quesadilla type things uh probably early those early a stations might be like pancakes and bacon and mm. stuff like that so this is be why a, i love the ultra yeah, world <laughs> yeah. so there'll, there'll be there'll be hot food options at each one but they're not always going to be the same uh, okay. but those basic fare will always be the same you'll always have you know various candies various salty snacks pickles mm-hmm. um potatoes you know now will the the aid station volunteers can they bring food themselves too for people okay so we encourage the aid stations to always uh make their their spot more special than the the next one you know (laughs) so um you know that's from decorating thing decorating the aid station area or providing an extra special food item that you know uh, we wouldn't have thought of. Uh, and w- will you have other caffeine too, like Coke or? Yes, yes. We are, okay. Every aid station will have uh, Coke and ginger ale. So mm-hmm. if you need a sugar boost and caffeine boost, you got Coca-Cola. If your tummy's feeling a little rough, you got some ginger, ginger ale. ale. So. And what about medical supplies? It Will you have? A, yeah, there'll some... be first aid kit at every aid station. Okay. And most, uh, most aid stations will have. At least one medically trained personnel there okay. or volunteer that's has a background in it, and then Great. our co-race director is uh, is a nurse as well, and uh, and then we'll we'll have the uh, Transylvania Rescue Squad out there. Uh, we'll have two of their first responders uh, out there that will be kind of roaming between the aid stations. So if there's you know a, a medical need and they might be at another aid station, they'll be next door edge station they'll just drive where they need to go yeah short short drive to get over to where they need to go okay so once they leave the fish hatchery where do they go so from fish hatchery you're going to get on to um the uh, cat gap loop basically uh, again for a short bit before you get on to long branch trail and uh, long branch trail is pretty Pretty much a straightforward mountain bike trail, steady climb, uh, very steady. It's not uh, super techie or anything. It's just kind of this long, <laughs> you know, steady climb, <laughs> long, steady climb, but very mellow. I mean, 
you know, the average grade, the average grade through there is, you know, it's not going to be exceeding anything over like 10%. Um, okay. At the steepest points. And so you'll be on that uh, until you get to uh, Gloucester Gap. Uh, well, back on Fish Hatchery Road, basically, but higher up. And it'll be gravel at this point. Um, and then you'll take a left on that and go up to Gloucester Gap, which is eight station, full eight station two. Not crew accessible. Um, but full eight. But, but it's a full eight station. And so that's what mile? That'll be 14.8. Okay, so uh, really just four miles before you get to another full aid. Yeah. That's yeah. great. So okay. four and a half miles to, to the next aid. Um, and I think you climb from that aid station to, uh, from the first aid station to that aid station is roughly 1,000 feet of gain, maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. um, in those four miles. So it's a pretty steady uphill, but it's not, you know, it's not horribly steep. It's super steep, yeah. Okay. Um, so, r- like, roughly a 10% grade would be like uh, 1,000 feet in two miles. So, roughly, it's an average of about 5% grade. Any drop bag there or at this? That no drop bag know. there. The, the first drop bag location uh, will be at Black Balsam. Black which Balsam, be okay. A3. okay. Um, and uh, that'll be also a crew, crew spot as well. Um, so from Gloucester Gap, this is where things really get hard. Um, <laughs> As it it wasn't hard before. So so you know at this point in the first fourteen miles you've climbed uh, about thirty six hundred feet total, mm-hmm. um, and but then this next you know six miles you're going to gain about the same amount of gain maybe a little bit more <laughs> within so six get, miles yeah but in six miles instead of <laughs> 15 <laughs> so uh this starts the the big climb once you get to gloucester gap you're getting back on the art lobe trail and uh, for those of people who are familiar with the art lobe trail you should thank me that i skipped a lot of the section of the art lobe trail <laughs> between cat gap and gloucester gap because it's nothing but up and down uh, I like to call them puds, mm-hmm. uh, pointless up and downs. Um, and it's the most infuriating section of trail for me. Every time I run that r- <laughs> or that route, I'm just like, why am I out here? <laughs> um, so we are kind of skipping, left that out, skipping that out and, uh, making it just a steady, steady climb up to Gloucester. Um, so it's just a little bit more, uh, you stay at a little bit better rhythm, I guess. Okay. Um, but yeah, once you get to Gloucester Gap, you you begin the big climb up Pilot mm-hmm. uh, Mountain, which is a five roughly five thousand foot uh, peak uh, that used to be the high point of the fifty mile race, and uh, it's a very steep, steady climb. And yes, Tara, I know you're familiar with this climb. Yes. So, <laughs> so why don't you tell people about this climb? Since you, you know, <laughs> I, it's just one of those ones that just I kind of put my hands on my knees and <laughs> just made my way up. It's it, it's just one of those, you, you have to zone out and just climb. I, I think I remember a lot of switchbacks. Yes. Um, and to, to get up there, I'd run it a few times. Well, I don't think I need to say run it. Um, I've power hiked it a few times before the race. And so I knew what was coming, which was helpful for me. But I just knew once I got to the top, it'd be fine. But it, yeah. it is. It just seems to go on forever and ever. 
endeavor. Yes. And there yes. are a few viewpoints. There are, yes. So along the way that you can yep. stop and breathe and check out the view. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and the payoff from the summit is incredible. It's an incredible view at the top yes. as well. So, um, you know, outside of John Rock, uh, that's going to be like your first like major overlook of the mm-hmm. of the race and it should um, be obviously light yes at this for time most so people be it should be light i would imagine um front runners it's probably starting to get you know you're starting to get that glow if mm-hmm. you're in the in the lead of the field but for the, most people it will be daylight at this point um uh you know there might be a few people catching the sunrise off of pilot rock which would be really amazing yeah it so. would be amazing <laughs> So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a great spot. I love that. I love the summit. Uh, I love that climb. I know it's tough, but um, it's one of those ones that you know it's going to be tough. You just, like you said, you just put your head down and yeah, that's, and just make it up. It. <laughs> I remember I was listening to something hammering my way up that, and I think that helped me just to get through it. But um, but it is, it's, it's, a fun, it's a fun climb. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah. So once you get to the top... Now, before this, I need to go back to aid station two. Mm-hmm. Is there a cutoff time for, for that aid station? There is a cutoff time. Um, we'll have all the cutoff times um, posted in of our course. pre-race email. Um, but roughly, it's going to be around the 9 o'clock time frame, so okay. 9, 9.15, um, somewhere in there. Uh, okay. roughly the cutoff for that. And as far as cutoffs go, cutoffs are grade-adjusted cutoffs so we've looked at you know you know if you look at the 22 hour cutoff that's like a 20 roughly a 21 minute mile average but we know that most people aren't going to be doing a 21 minute mile in the first uh half of the or the first 20 miles of this race with seven thousand feet of gain mm-hmm. and there only being six thousand feet of gain left after that right for the last 40 so we realized that um there needs to be some adjustments to that. So, those first um, uh, the first eight the first cutoff is is uh, on that twenty one minute pace roughly, just mm-hmm. because you're climbing and descending about an equal amount um, on, of the course there. Um, but then those those next two cutoffs are are fudged a little bit to allow you a little bit extra time to get up there. So you, instead of you know trying to average a 21 minute pace, you know, the average pace might be, um, you know, 24 minutes or something Mm -hmm. like that. So you're giving, giving yourself a little bit of extra cushion to get up to, uh, black Boston because after you get pilot mountain and you descend off pilot mountain, about 500 feet, you then have another big climb. (laughs) So (laughs) So you get 500 feet of release. Yeah. So once you hit the summit of pilot, you have a, you know, a nice switch backy climb or descent, down into um, Deep Gap. There is a shelter there. There is also a, a pipe spring there okay. as well. Um, so there won't be an aid station there, but there um, uh, there is water there, water access, and it's right off the trail. So uh, we will probably even have a sign that, you know, up there, just like water right here in case you need it. Um, obviously, you know, you only have six miles from – uh, Gloucester Gap to the next aid station, but 
you know, but you've that, climbed that first a big lot. Climb, yeah, that first big climb of Pilot Rock, you might suck through, you know, half of that, or right, or especially depending on how hot it is. So, now, um, would you recommend a filter for that water? Yes, I would. Okay. I mean, me personally, I would drink it straight, just because I'm familiar with how the, the springs come straight out of the rocks. But um, that's me personally. I don't suggest that to everyone. Else. Right. So yes, I would suggest some type of filter. So that either. Um, you know, uh, a tiny little Sawyer squeeze mm-hmm. or something like that would work. Um, a life straw type situation. Uh, what's really great now is that, um, and this is what I suggest to everybody, uh, and I'm, I'm so glad that these bottles are in, in the world now, but uh, Solomon and Katahdin make these basically uh, filter caps that can screw on top of, you know, a soft flask, and that's all you got to do. All you got to do that's is just, great. Fill, just fill up your bottle, put put that on, and you're drinking straight from it. You're not having to worry about fumbling with any other uh, bags or anything. That's the the way to do it. So, go get you a filter cap. It's like twenty five bucks, and it lasts for a long, long time. Um, I think it will filter like ten thousand liters of water or wow. something like that before it goes bad. So, um, you know, well worth the investment. Uh, you know, obviously don't stick, you know, if you're sticking it in a mud puddle, that filter is going to clog up a lot quicker than if you're sticking <laughs> yeah. it in a clean source. Yeah. But these these sources are clean um, for the most, you know, they're not silted up or anything like that. So, um, you know, the only thing you're really worrying about is microbes. Um, and, uh, you know, that's not going to affect you during the race. It's only going to affect you a couple couple weeks later right (laughs) (laughs) so the spring is at deep gap it's at deep gap and that's at the bottom of the it's at the the bottom you you should see a uh if you see the shelter which is kind of a little bit off the trail to the uh to your left um it's just below the shelter off just off the trail okay Um, you can see the spring there and uh there'll be a pipe up there as well there'll be a little pipe there should be a pipe unless someone's pulled the pipe and last year and there's a pipe there you're still on the art lobe right yep still okay. on the art lobe trail yeah you're on the art lobe trail from gloucester gap to um past the next eight station you're on the art lobe for a, for a good chunk okay. for at least the next eight miles and how are you marking the trails so that people will know that so the trails will be um extremely well marked every intersection every intersection major intersection will have a sign um so these are major intersections. I will say that major intersection will have a sign, um, and uh, it'll have an arrow on it pointing you the direction. And also, there will always be three flags before a turn and three flags after a turn, and then there'll be a confidence marker every quarter mile okay. after those points. So you should see that the whole time. Um, Any particular color of flag that you're using, or do you know? So yet? we have. I am uh, in the process of creating the signs, and I'm, like, teetering back and forth if I want to use my standard blue and white or if I'm going to go to uh, a white and orange flag like we use for the Heartbreaker. So we'll see. We'll still it's a see. mystery. We'll still see. Okay. But um, uh, both those flaggings are very visible at night. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not reflective, but because they're white and you're, right. you'll have a headlamp and they're fluttering in the wind, uh, you should be able to see them pretty pretty easily um and then across the balds um we'll probably be using pin flags like uh 
Hellbender uses mm-hmm. because there's nothing to tie the flags onto. Right. No, so no there'll trees. be little uh, pin flags in the ground that will kind of mark your the, the right way, plus the signs will still be there as okay. well. Um, and uh, so that's that's what you'll be looking for uh, for the race. And all this will be covered in the in the pre-race uh, or in the participant guide. All this information will be there. You'll get to see what color the flags are, what color the signs, what they look like. Um, and uh, so never hurts to listen to it and read it. Yeah, and then, yeah, <laughs> then exactly. you've got all your bases yeah. covered. But it, it's it'll be it'll be. We pride ourselves in marking the courses extremely well. Um, and uh, that's what we get a lot of compliments on that. And uh, there'll, there'll also be like X signs in a lot of spaces. And if you see a sign with an X on it, that means wrong way. Don't go that way. Yeah, don't go that way. And uh, so you'll see that. Uh, and, and many intersections, not all of them, um, you know, sometimes it can get pretty excessive and sometimes it's very obvious which, which ways to go. And then where there are cases of social trails. Um, So a social trail is a trail that is not official. It usually looks like a little goat path that's spurred off and it's going somewhere. In those cases, we're usually just going to have some extra flagging to denote that. So if you see the flagging and you see it going past that, you know that well, I need to follow, follow that flag the line. flags. I need to follow the flag line, not okay. the random goat path that's going nowhere. <laughs> right. So if you don't see, um, you know, if you don't see a flag for at least a half a mile, you know, you probably are off course. You need to stop, turn around, and run back the same way you did until you get back to the last flag you saw or last sign that you saw or whatever course marking is. Um, that should help you get keep from getting lost. Okay. Also, you can download the course, the GPX file from our website and from the participant guide, and you can load that into your watch or your phone. In your phone. Mm-hmm. And you can have the course and you can, you know, whatever software you're using, be it on your watch or, you know, Gaia or whatever app you have, mapping software you have on your phone, you'll know exactly where you're at on the course and you'll have a, you know, it'll show you where you're at and st- let you know if you're on there. So, you know, there's really no excuse of getting lost these days right. uh, in races, um, especially because of that usage. And I would say 99% of people are wearing a GPS watch these days. Agreed. Uh, except me. I don't wear one, but I do carry my phone, <laughs> which has mapping software on it. Right. So if I get lost, I can always just pull out my phone, pull out your phone. And, and, and see where I'm at. So, um, and everyone has to have a cell phone for the race. So, there you go. <laughs> so. and, w- and I do want to go through required, required gear also, which we can do at the end. Yeah, but, we'll, do um, we'll do it at the end. So at Deep Gap, mm-hmm. they've made it to the spring. They continue on to the art lobe. And yep. you said they go up a big climb again. So, yeah, once you get into Deep Gap, um, you'll have a little false climb, a uh, small <laughs> little rocky section of trail, false climb, then in descent. And you're kind of crossing um, – this uh, you'll cross this like little two track road a couple times through there, so just be on the lookout because you'll the art load will join this little double track for a bit and then it'll jump off of it again. But like I said, it'll be flagged really well there. Uh, you'll see a bunch of flags, you know, three before, three after intersections um, to denote to stay on the art load. You, you'll also see the art load blaze, which is a, a white standard white rectangle blaze. Um, so you'll see that, and uh, you'll get down into Farlow Gap, which there is a trail there that we used to use for um, 
or the 50, 50 miler. miler. Mm-hmm. That used to be the turn. Um, but you're going to con- continue going straight. And so from Farlow Gap up to uh, pa- up to the parkway, basically, and then you're climbing up past the parkway, that's a, a, f- a fairly long and steep climb. Um, so, you know, Farlow Gap is roughly uh, about 4,500 feet uh, above sea level. And then you're going to be climbing up just uh, to about 6,000 feet, um, roughly, in the next two miles. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so okay. It's, it's another big climb. <laughs> yes. um, so it's another, you know, 1,500-foot climb that you got to get. Um, so then you cross the parkway. You're still on the art lobe. There'll be uh, a person stationed there, a course marshal. Um, and that course marshal will let you know that it's safe to cross the road. We're not allowed to stop traffic. Um, those course marshals are just there for your safety. So you have to yield to traffic, not the, the other way around. Okay. Um, uh, will some traffic maybe stop, but they, they'll do that on their own. That won't be us stopping them because um, okay. we are not supposed to do that. Specific, right. We're not police officers. Right. So we can't do that. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, but yes, so you'll cross the road there. And once you cross the, uh, the parkway, the trail only gets steeper and rockier. And it's this tight little switchback up to uh, the intersection of the Mount Sea Trail. And the art load continues with it when it hits there. Um, so you'll be on like a shared trail. But that's... Uh, up there, I think it's Siler Bald, Silvermine Bald, something like that. So you'll start seeing a few views up there as well, um, which is which is really cool. Um, and so once you get to that intersection with the Mountains to Sea Trail, uh, the trail starts mellowing out a little bit, and you have a nice little flat section to the aid station, which is roughly around mile 21. It's like it's 21.1 according to our calculations. Um, is this the black balsam one? Yes. No. So yes. the road, okay. the, the art lobe trail slash MST trail will cross, uh, the black balsam knob road. And this is gotcha. where the aid okay. station will be. Um, this is a crew accessible aid station. Um, and, uh, there's a bunch of parallel parking along that area. The road, yeah. Um, and then there's also a half mile down the road, a big, a larger parking lot, with a pit toilet. So if you're a crew members, if your crew members get there and they're like, well, there's no parking here. I can't park. Just keep going a little bit. Just keep going. And then, you know, note where the aid station was because you'll pass right past it. Keep going a half mile down the road and there's a big parking lot. Right. And there's uh, also pit toilets there as well. So uh, if your crew needs to use the restroom. Um, so that that's that spot right there. Now, do they have to be parked, you know, to, to crew their runner? Mm-hmm. Is there a certain distance that they need to be? So, any rules like that? So, yeah. So, you need to stay within 100 yards of the aid station to, to assist. So, um, and obviously, you know, you can't pick up your runner, take them down to your car or whatever, and then bring them back <laughs> in the car. They need to stay in the area. So, um, so if you do have to go into the like, the far the further lot and then hike back up you'll need to hike back up to to set up to yeah. set up and you can just hang out your runner's not going to want to run an extra half a no, mile anyway no, no. <laughs> back down to the aid station but yeah so you know basically as long as you're within eyesight of the aid station okay uh, you're good to go 
uh, for for crewing. Is there a certain time that you are saying they should get there, or not before this time? We, we will have that. Up to them? We'll, yeah, we'll have that. Um, ideally, what we want to do is not have a log jam there. Right. So uh, you will only be allowed to have one crew vehicle. Um, so you will get like a little crew tag tag okay. uh, at check in. And that needs to be displayed in the dash of your car. Um, uh, when you're parking, you got to make sure all four wheels are off the road. If you're parking off the side of the road, um, and if there's a parking space, obviously, just take up one parking place. <laughs> Please, <laughs> don't don't, don't take be up, diagonal. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so you know, just be respectful. Remember the public's public's out there as well, and ideally, show up to that. Um, that spot roughly, you know, plus or minus 30 minutes before you think your runner is going to get there. And you'll, they have trackers on and them, and, and you're going to have live tracking. They do have live tracking. Um, There'll so be a website that they can. There's a website that you can look, and you can see where your runner is. So you can kind of roughly gauge when, when they're going to be there. And so, you know, what we would what we would suggest for your crew while you're, instead of just going to from cruise spot to cruise spot, uh, and then just sitting in the parking lot for a couple hours waiting for your your runner. What we would suggest is to enjoy the Blue Ridge Parkway. Mm-hmm. You know, just ride up and down the parkway, go on a little hike or something. You know, uh, you're going to be waiting a while for, <laughs> for your runners, runners right. in these spots. So, um, and you know, ideally doing those those little hikes or those little excursions outside of the spot where where that is so we're not taking up a ton of parking right um and people are able to get there because you know we have 100 you know we'll have at a max 135 signed up for the race which realistically means that we'll probably have around 115 people start the race Mm -hmm. uh, just given the common no-show rate for events um so you know, you got to be mindful of that. If you're a crew, like there might be a hundred other crew cars out here, you know, and there's parking for 40 cars. Right. So, um, but also you got to be mindful that, you know, that person's, you know, those 115 people are going to be so spread out by mile 20, especially with all that gain. So people aren't going to be arriving at the same time. It's it's not going to be, you know, like your local half marathon or something um, where people are kind of, you know, within 10, 15 minutes of each other. Um, there's going to be like within hours of each other. Right. <laughs> so, and, and I think, I think too, for, for crew would be at Black Balsam. I mean, another beautiful mm-hmm. area, but it can get windy, mm-hmm. cold because you're, you're high yes. at this point. So you're, you're be just, warm. You're just under 6,000 feet, and it's November. So, you know, roughly uh, it's going to be probably in the 30s up there, most likely, um, just because it's this time of year. Uh, it might be even colder. So, um, especially because it's also early in the morning. So just, you know, be prepared. Uh, have, you know, have the proper clothing uh, with you and, you know, just, Yeah. Just be ready to be a little bit chilly <laughs> right. up there. Um, no matter what, even if yeah. the weather is nice. Yes, yes. Lower. It, could be, it could be 60 degrees in Brevard 
30, 30 degrees <laughs> yeah it's like awesome <laughs> yeah so uh and you know 50 mile an hour winds or right yeah. yes so i've made that mistake um don't make that mistake right. that's one reason why we have required gear when i was young and dumb i went and did a uh, uh art lobe traverse so the 30 miles um and when i started at 7 a.m uh it was 60 degrees in Brevard. And I was like, I don't need, I don't need, I don't all, need this. all this stuff. So I just, you know, went on with my water bottle. And then by the time I hit Black Balsam, it was uh, 32 degrees. Oh, my gosh. It was sleeting. And the wind was blowing oh. uh, 50 miles an hour. So and, and there's nowhere to hide from the wind. There was nowhere to hide. No. So I was getting, you know, absolutely pelted with, uh, with sleet. Um, and, you know, 32 degrees. And I'm in a... Uh, I think I had arm warmers. I was in short sleeves, oh, shorts, and arm warmers. That was it. Didn't have a jacket with me. Uh, and uh, it was obviously one of those points where I was like, if I get hurt, I'm going to die up here. So, <laughs> Ooh, you know, and you're brutal. in the middle of nowhere yes. out there. And, um, you know, the parkway was obviously closed at, at that spot, you know, when I did that because they, they will close the parkway for ice. So yes. you're in the, you're, you're stuck. 20 miles away from anything, you know, 10, right. 15 miles away from anything. So, yeah, you're, you. Hence luckily, required gear. <laughs> yeah, hence required gear. Luckily, you know, obviously, if, if there's ice in any situation, there will be an alternate course. And we'll talk about that at the end. Um, but, um, yeah, so just be prepared. Yes. Yeah, be prepared. <laughs> But, and the uh, same for aid station workers, because I'm I'm probably going to be at that aid station, yes. so I'm going to have extra, extra, extra clothing. So uh, yeah. I get cold way too fast. Yes. Um, so okay, so they they get to Black Balsam, mm-hmm. they can have. You said that's where they could also have a drop bag. There's a drop bag. Okay, there. so if you don't have crew, you can at least have a drop bag there, and yes. they'll be right next to the aid station. I'm assuming. Yeah, right, right beside the aid station. Okay. And uh, so after you get to Black Balsam, uh, the aid station at Black Balsam. You will then start going up to the summit of Black Balsam from there on the trail, um, and so this is when you hit the balds. Um, Do you know cutoff time at that aid? It'll be roughly twelve. Twelve o'clock. Okay. Yep. Roughly twelve p.m. Uh, that's where we're at right now. Uh, but yeah, so then you're going to climb up Black Balsam, which is if you've looked at the pictures on our website, um, that's where most of the pictures were taken. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's that big view that you're going to see, um, and you're basically in a bald for about a mile. You're you're. It's just there's, open. There's, it's, it's just open. So it's not something that you really get on the East Coast mm-hmm. unless you're uh, running up in you know the Presidential Range up in. Uh, uh, I don't know New Hampshire. I'm not sure what New you're New talking Hampshire. about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're up in New Hampshire, there's some above-treeline stuff. We're technically not above-treeline. It's weird. It's no just one a bald. really knows why they're bald. Yeah, right. <laughs> but they are. So it's... And it's just know. a bunch of shrubbery. There's yeah. no there's there's no big trees yeah, or anything Shrubs like and grasses. And um, so you've got these huge, long-range views. And so, you know, you're going to climb up to... to uh, to Black Balsam, uh, that section of trail can be can be very rutted out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's mildly technical. Lots of root, uh, not not a ton of roots, but uh, lots of rock. 
um, lots of ruts. And then you'll, once you get to the summit, you'll be crossing kind of just over the top of the mountain. And uh, you'll do this nice little techie rutted out descent uh, down into another gap. And then you'll do another climb over another bald, which is Tenant Mountain, mm-hmm. which is also equally as beautiful. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful spot. One of my favorite spots. Uh in Western North Carolina, period, um, mostly because there's not a, as many people there as there are at Black Balsam right. because it takes a little bit longer to get there. In Black Balsam, you can go right from the yeah. parkway, but it yeah. takes a bit to get to Tenet. Yeah, and both of those both of those summits are over 6,000 feet, which is also really cool, mm-hmm. uh, reaching a very high elevation for the East Coast. Um, and then after you um, get to the summit of Tenet Mountain, you have a nice uh, techie descent. You kind of go back into the woods there for a little bit. Um, come down into Ivester Gap uh, area. And uh, then once you get to the actual Ivester Gap, that is uh, more or less the end of the balls, and you're back in the woods. So that whole section is about two miles. Um, and then you will be off the art lobe at this point. Okay. Uh, you, will, you will not see the art lobe for the rest of the day. And uh, you'll get on Ivester Gap Trail, and that will wrap you back around to the Mountains to Sea Trail. And then you'll be on the Mountains to Sea Trail for roughly the next you know, 15, 16 miles. Okay. So you get to the next crew accessible aid station. And um, this section for, uh, for those, it, it's a very pretty section. Um, if for anyone who's ever run shut-in trail, it's it's very similar throughout. It's got little punchy climbs, little excuse me, little steep descents, um, lots of rocks, lots of roots. <laughs> so um, that that's basically it. But it is it is nice um, for that first bit. That Ivester Gap Trail is kind of like a double track, kind of like a Mount Mitchell Toll Road. A little bit wider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little wider. Um, It's just like a rocky roadbed. And then you'll get on the MST. And then when you get on the MST, you'll start um, uh, making a little bit heavier descent. So that grade on Ivester Gap Trail. So Ivester Gap Trail used to be a, a, uh, a rail line. Oh, okay. Like a single gauge rail line for logging. Um, so the the gradient on that is like a nice negative three percent. You know, it's a downhill three percent super runnable uh, grade. It is a little rocky, but it is a very tame uh, downhill. Once you hit the MST, it starts getting a little bit steeper, and then you and narrower. Get, yeah, narrower, yeah. very tight single track, almost half track, um, and you'll be on that. Um, you know, that type of terrain for, you know, the next little bit. Um, and then you'll get to uh, Skinny Dip Aid Station, which is uh, just under mile 30. So you have a pretty long stretch between a- aids. Uh, it's the longest stretch um, without uh, a, uh, at least a water stop or something like that. So make sure you really fill up. But it is also a very mellow section. Mm-hmm. So... The only climbs that you have on that section is up Black Balsam 
and up Tenet. Tenet Mountain, which are both like 200 foot climbs. They're not very uh, long and, you know, they're short, steep, and then they're they're done with. And then you are kind of got this long downhill to the next aid station. So um, at this point as well, the cutoffs are going to start shifting to a faster right. time to account for the time that was um, for all the climbing yeah, in the beginning that was given. Yeah. So, you know, you might have had 23 minute average mile or 24 minute mile to get up to Black Balsam. But when you get past Black Balsam to Skinny Dip, you know, the average pace might be 19 minute miles that you get to get there. Because so we're trying to like get back to the pace for 22 hour cutoff. Um, and so it's going to be a little bit faster, but you're also going to be going mostly downhill. It's mostly downhill from that uh, spot. It's actually uh, from the summit of Black Balsam in 7.3 miles, you lose 2,000 feet okay. to the aid station. So it's a nice steady downhill, more right. or less. Um, and uh, so you got it's runnable. <laughs> be able to run. Be able to jog. Uh, right. If you're walking down that section, you're probably going to get cut off, most likely. Um, so, so make so sure pick, you take pick advantage. It to a jog. Yeah, take advantage of the sections that you can run. Right. Um, and at that aid station at Skinny Skinny Dip Falls, is that where it is? Yeah. Okay. So it's a just a random pull off. It's not net. It's not an overlook. Um, and that's just crew that, accessible or not crew? It's not crew. I didn't accessible, think it was okay because yeah, there's no real parking there. And it, that all got ruined, didn't it? Skinny dip. Skinny dip. So yeah, a lot it's of that. It's not what it used to be. Yeah, the uh, the flood kind of changed that area a little bit, but the trail's still there. The trail's still there, yeah, right? Yeah. You used to be able to jump into the pool, yeah. and I don't think you yeah. can do that anymore. I don't think yeah. it's there. So yeah, we had some massive Sad. flooding, which was one reason why the Looking Glass hasn't happened for for many years, because of the flooding right. flooding damage. Um, but uh, look like we're we're back and ready to go. And so, that aid station will be a full one? It will be a full, okay. full aid station. All right. Yep. So full full on supplies, uh, just no drop bag or crew. Okay. And then from there, um, you're kind of going on some more of that like half track type stuff. Uh, you're getting a few more punchier climbs here and there. This is kind of that shut-in vibe that we were just talking about. And uh, so you'll be on that for – a good bit, uh, about four miles or so. Um, and then you'll get to Pigeon Gap, which is going to be uh, one of the parkway crossings, uh, but there will also be water there. Okay. Um, so from that aid station uh, at Skinny Dip to, to Pigeon Gap, uh, it's just about four miles, 4.1 miles to get there. Um, and... So you'll have a, a fluid-only spot right there at the water section. So there'll be a table set up with some coolers to top off. Because the next section after that is another very runnable section. Um, it is uh, it is uphill, but it is a very gradual. It's like a 3% grade hmm. uphill. So if you've ever run um, any of those kind of old railroad, it's basically an old railroad line, um, so if you've ever run um, uh, the Greybeard switchbacks up Greybeard, it's, you know, it's that old trestle line or any of those trestle trails in the Montreat area. Um, if you've run the Buncombe Horse Trail in mm-hmm. 
the the blacks, uh, not the mucky side, but you know, right. the rocky side. But it's still, you know, it's a three percent gray and it's very runnable. Um, so you'll be on that after you cross uh, two seventy six, and uh, you'll be steadily climbing up to the next A station, which is at Buck Spring Gap, uh, also known as the Mount Pisgah parking lot trailhead for the hike up Mount Pisgah. Also, the formal finish line for uh, shut in, shut in the right. race, shut in. Um, so that is where that that last that's the last crew accessible aid station. That's mile forty one. So you do have a, a good stretch without um, uh, a full aid station between Skinny Dip and there, but you do have that water on only. So do make sure you pack some extra food items uh, for your journey through there. Um, from Skinny Dip to um, Buck Springs. Buck Springs, yeah. Okay. But uh, that is the crew spot, mile 41-ish, and that is also where you can pick up a pacer. Great. Yeah. And is that the one one question from the from a listener of the podcast mm-hmm. wanted to know if they could pick, is that the only place you can pick up a pacer? Is there any time after that you can pick up a pacer? This is the only place. It's the only place. Okay. So, yeah. This is the only crew accessible place um, for the race going forward. So those last 20 miles of the race, the pacer has to do the last 20 miles. So once okay. they pick you up, they got to be able to do 20. So um, yeah, you can't have someone pace you for like, five and, and then bail they need okay to, they need to <laughs> stay with you they need to stay with you so we have an idea of where they're at as well um, um and they will have a pacer bib that you will get at check-in so you can give that to your pacer um, will you also have because i'm pacing so this is my question i'm mm-hmm. pacing sarah for her last 20 so will will there be extra pacer bibs at the aid station in case i don't see her because I don't. Yeah. yeah okay. We'll, yeah, we'll have some extra at the aid station. Okay. As well. Is there a waiver that that needs to be signed or yeah, anything like yeah, that? Yeah, we'll have waivers there okay. as well. Great. So, <laughs> you answered my question. Um, but yeah, check in the uh, if pay, pacers can sign up on Ultra Sign Up. I need to do um, that. So if you do the registration thing, you can sign up to be a pacer, no charge. It's free. Um, just go there and you can go ahead and do that, and then the pacer bid will, you know be ready for you at that point um, okay. and you don't have to worry about signing a waiver great um but if you have not signed up for pacing online there will be a waiver that you need to sign at check-in um so if your pacer is there with you and then there'll also be some waivers at that aid station that you need to sign if you didn't get it if you weren't there to be, if you weren't able to be there on friday okay um and that's for pacers um, great so yeah but yeah, and there's you, plenty pacers. of parking there too. Mm-hmm. Plenty of parking there too yes. for for plenty crew. Of plenty of parking for crew. Ideally, we're not. You know, we still would rather people get there. You know, roughly when they think the runner's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not hanging out there for a few hours because um, that parking lot is open to the public. Um, also popular. Also popular. So again, one of those spots where. You know, ideally, we hope we, we don't have more than 30 people in the parking lot at one time. Right. Okay. And that's, you know, ideally what we would have in that situation. Um, so, yeah, watch the tracking. 
the tracking should be uh, a lot more accurate this year. I know in Hellbender, uh, we had some long gaps uh, before like pings were picking up, uh, but uh, we have uh, the tracking people that we've been using has uh, improved their system, and uh, they should be able to be able to track people a lot better. And this course has a lot better coverage, uh, cell phone coverage Great. than the Hellbender course as well. Right. So, okay. so traffic tracking should be a lot more accurate and you should be able to, to be able to watch it uh, pretty, pretty well. So when they get to the aid station, they say goodbye to their crew. I'll see you yeah. at the finish line yeah. see and you at the finish line. head yeah. on out. Where do they go from there? 20 miles to go. And you also, it's the last, it's the last 20 and it's the easiest 20. Oh, that's nice. So um, a lot of time to make up, you know, here at this point, um, you know, the, the amount of gain from the last aid station to the end in the last 20 miles is only 2,000 feet. Okay. So that's great. Yeah. You have a lot more downhill, obviously, in that. So, mm-hmm. um, and then there's a couple gravel sections uh, as well that will allow you to, to catch up sometimes. So, yeah, obviously, the first 40 is the hardest. The first 20 is the, the hardest of the, of the race. So it, the race progressively gets easier. Mm-hmm. So the first 20, you got 7,000 feet of gain. The next 20, you have 4,000 feet of gain. The last 20, you have 2,000 2, feet of gain, roughly. Um, you know, these are estimates, not right. actual. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah. But once you get to Buck Spring Gap, this is a crew aid station, pacer aid station, full aid station, food, all that stuff. Is this the last cutoff, too? Uh, it's not the last cutoff, okay. um, but it is, um, uh, the cutoff is roughly uh, around six thirty, seven o'clock. Uh, okay. We're still looking at numbers, making sure we're tweaking. So sure. That's why I haven't given you exact, exact. numbers. But, they, but that'll all be in the participant yeah, guide. Yeah, so. all that will be in the participant okay. guide. Um, but, uh, so yeah, between 6.30 and 7, it's going to be the time for that. Um, and that is mile 41.8. So, you're literally... 20 miles from the finish at this point. Um, and so from there, you're going to go down Pilot Rock. You're going to, so this is the only section of out and back as well on the course. Mm. Um, so the course is literally a complete loop minus this like quarter mile of out and back. So you will go past the Pilot Rock Trail to get down to the aid station on the way in. And then you'll turn around and go back to the Pilot Rock. And then, okay. And there will be, it'll be well signed. Um, to you know, not be confusing for people, but so you'll drop down Pilot Rock Trail, which is a big two thousand foot descent um, down into uh, Yellow Mountain Road, and that Pilot Rock Trail is um, it's rocky, single track. It's single track. Mm-hmm. It's techy. It's very pretty. It has some nice overlooks off of it, um, and that's the other thing I meant to say about the. Uh, the MST section, all that section is very pretty. There's, you'll pop out on some Blue Ridge Parkway overlooks. There'll be some summits that you get some views off of, um, you know, little catches through the woods. Obviously the leaves are going to be down. So you'll have a lot of up views through the trees. Um, so that whole section up there is absolutely gorgeous. Um, uh, there are some springs that cross the trail there. So if you have your water filter, if you, 
need to get some extra water as well, and you can do that. And that's on the MST in between um, uh, Skinny Dip and Buck Spring aid stations. Okay. But, yeah, so after that, you do Pilot Rock down to Yellow Gap Road, and then you're going to run Yellow Gap Road for a bit. Um, and that really is a gravel road. That's a gravel road, mm-hmm. and it is Wide. very flat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you look, if you're looking at the profile, like it looks like pancake almost <laughs> a straight line. <laughs> yeah, um, and you'll be on that road for uh, looks roughly three miles. So that's the longest stretch of gravel that you'll have for the day. Okay. Um, you know, there's two two stretches of gravel before that. Um, but they're shorter and at the beginning beginning of the race. Um, and then once you get to the next aid station, which is uh, roughly in the Pink Beds area, then you're going to get on uh, the uh, Pink Beds trail loop. Um, you will be on a uh, trail. I think it's uh, blanking on the name of it. It's not showing up on the map. Uh, anyway, the aid station will be right there at the intersection of that trail, and I'll take you to the Pink Beds Loop. Um, and that's not crew accessible. Not crew we're, we're accessible. done with crew. We're done with crew. Um, and this is a full aid? And the reason there's no crew at this spot, there's just not ample parking for okay. it. And that's why there's... Um, it's not that your crew couldn't get there. It's that there's just no parking for the crew to be there. Um without just clogging up the road and the U.S. Forest Service getting angry at us. <laughs> we don't so, want that. Which, if the U.S. Forest Service gets angry at you, you can't have races. So We need to have races. We need to have races. <laughs> 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 yes, we do. And what mile do you think this is? That this? aid station is um, roughly 48.3. Okay. So you'll run about... About eight miles then. About... Uh, so like six seven. and a half. Oh, six seven. and a half. Okay. Six and a half, seven um, from the last day session, but almost all of that is downhill. Is there any more drop bag locations or? Uh, uh, there is a drop bag at Pink Beds. Okay. So that's your last drop bag spot. Okay. So you can have drop bags at Black Balsam, Buck Spring Gap, and Pink Beds. Okay. Those are, those are the spots for, uh, for those. And... So, yeah, once you get to the aid station there at uh, Pink Beds, it's uh, at the intersection of Barnett Branch Trail. Mm. And so you'll you'll hang a left on Barnett Branch, and then you'll hang a, uh, a right on Pink Beds Loop, and you'll be doing the Pink Beds Loop uh, back to Barnett Branch. So, oh, okay. So um, the Barnett Branch kind of just crosses right over it, but this, this whole stretch of uh, the Pink Beds through there is – um, you know, very mellow. It's runnable it's for sure. Very runnable, yeah. mellow trail. I mean, again, pancake. And for those, you know, it's obviously not uh, roto season right now, so right. You won't see a lot of pink. <laughs> no, which is why it's called that. But if you come back in June, May, June, then it's you beautiful. can see. All the, the the blooms of the and this, these are there. very used trails, so they're yeah. they're super yeah. well maintained and yeah. very mellow, very mellow. Um, like I said, this last twenty 
is definitely the easiest 20 uh, of the race. But yeah, after you do that half of the pink beds loop, um, you get back on Barnett Branch and you climb up that trail to Black Mountain Trail, the infamous Black Mountain Trail. And uh, then it's Black Mountain Trail all the way to the finish from there. Um, you do and have. This is down, right? This is. Down Black Mountain? Down trail? Black Mountain. Okay. There is a little bit of up to get up to. So when you get off the pink beds and you get back onto Barnett Branch, it is going to have a short climb up to the Black Mountain Trail. Um, looks to be. So it is. About a thousand feet and three and a half or two and a half miles, three so miles. Pretty good climbing. So yeah. a decent yeah. climb. Um, and then you'll get to the Black Mountain Trail and you start going downhill into uh, Buckhorn Gap, which is where the last full aid station of the course is. And that's it's called Clawhammer because it's just below Clawhammer Mountain. Um, and uh, so that'll be your last aid station uh, for the race, and that is at mile. That's mile fifty-five, roughly. It's fifty-four-nine is what we got. So about fifty-five. Um, so about seven miles from the the previous aid station as well, and then from there you got about seven miles to go as well. Okay. Um, to the finish, and uh, after that aid station at. Uh, Buckhorn Gap or a Claw Hammer, which is a full aid station, just not crew accessible. Um, you'll have a, a climb up Claw Hammer Mountain, and then you'll be running the ridge line, which all that climb is on the ridge, but uh, then you'll be running the ridge line uh, down uh, the Black Mountain Trail back into where we started and finished. It'll be right there. Um, for those of you who haven't run Black Mountain Trail, um, it is a popular mountain bike trail. Right. So, uh, you know, be on the lookout for, for mountain bikers. Um, you know, roughly the Forest Service rule says that mountain bikers should yield to foot traffic. Uh, in my experience. But they're flying down. <laughs> in my experience, as a mountain biker as well, I think it's a lot easier for us to step out of the way. Yes. So if you if you hear a mountain biker coming down, just you know step off the side of the trail, let them let them pass. So it's, it's you know it's not safe for them to be going twenty miles an hour and, and slam on, on their legs <laughs> right <laughs> on a downhill with all the leaves yeah, that have especially fallen, with all the leaves as well. So yeah. you know you know be mindful of that. Um, I just ran up that trail the other day, and it was like step off the trail, step off the trail because yeah. there's mountain bikers like crazy coming down yeah. that. But you know most people. And I would imagine most people are going to be running this in the dark. Um, this uh, section okay. in the dark. Um, I didn't even think about that, but so right. the likelihood that you see a ton of mountain bikers is no, is, not at night. It's very, it's very little. The only people who would be running it in the dark or in the daylight would be um, kind of our lead pack runners. Okay. Would be would be my guess. Um, so you know, sunset is going to be around five thirty. 545 so um, early so, so early yeah. so you know we're talking we're looking at 11 hours for this kind of roughly what we're thinking our first runner is going to be okay. for the race um so uh yeah they're going to be hitting that right at dusk 
basically. Yes. And there are some great overlooks off of the Black Mountain Trail as well. Um, really pretty views um, off that trail in multiple spots. There's a couple, there's at least two or three mm-hmm. overlooks on that trail. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just another beautiful trail uh, to finish finish the race off with. Um, so go fast to see the views. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got a huge downhill. It's a it's a two thousand foot downhill in five miles. So, awesome, you know. <laughs> and then that's that's the end. That's the end. That's it. You've made it. You've, You've made it. You did it. The finish line. You did it. You did. <laughs> you can roughly celebrate sixty two miles, and you can celebrate. We'll have uh we'll have some some hot food there waiting for you. Great. Um, we'll have some beer from from Oscar Blues waiting for you. Awesome. Um, you know, and we'll be there till two a.m. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> so what um what are the awards for your top runners? So our good friend uh, Jonathan Ibach is making some amazing. We just approved the design yesterday. Uh, so he's he's started construction on those. So um, our top runners will get this awesome Forest Service themed sign award. Uh, and that's that top three male, top, top three, three female, male, top okay. three female, and uh, first masters male, first masters female. Great. Okay. So uh, those will get the signs. Uh, Mountain Running Company will be providing some gift certificates, and so will. Uh, La Sportiva will be providing some nice some shoes for our top runners. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. These are some, so you, some you good get a, prizes. A, a hand, handmade award. Shoes. Local, locally handmade award. Shoes. Gift certificate. And gift certificate for a running shop. So I mean, it's amazing. What, what could you, else could you want? Sign up now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, all the runners, all finishers will see, receive uh, a handmade. Uh, uh, kind of coaster plate uh, that my wife is currently making as well. Oh, so it's a nice. ceramic plate with the uh, the logo on it in some artistic way that she knows how to do it. I have no clue. <laughs> I what wouldn't she's either. Doing. <laughs> but I'm not very crafty. It would be extremely for those who have you know run my races. You've probably you've seen her work. She makes all the medals for our races. So um, it's guaranteed to be amazing. Um, and, you know, it's substantial. It's not like a little medal. It's, you know, something like that. Big. Okay. Oh, well, for this. It's like, yeah, people can't see it. But. Yeah, six, six, seven inches across. There you go. <laughs> something there. To, to, to keep yeah, yeah. for sure. So, um, yeah, it'd be a, a nice little piece of pottery for you to to take home and remember your experience by. Right. Um, we, we played around with the idea of doing belt buckles, but uh, we had some strong opinions about belt buckles for 100K, and I kind of agree. It's not a 100-miler. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a 100-miler. So. <laughs> a little mini belt buckle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I really think the only question left is, well, no, there's a couple. What What is the required gear for the race? And I know that'll be obviously in the packet, yeah. but um, I'd like to just go ahead and state it too. Yep. So, get up the full list here. All right. So, all runners are required to carry required gear, and it's very similar to um, the requirements. And we want to pre- preface this by... Um, 
stating why it is needed. Um, this is a question we always get. Why do I need to carry all this stuff? The reason you need to carry all this stuff is because this is being safe in the mountains. You're not on your local trails. You're not running in a county park. You are in the backcountry, and you are far, far, far from help. Right. Um, a rescue situation is going to take hours, not, you know, an hour. Hours. <laughs> hours. Mm-hmm. hours. Um, if you if you break a leg or something like that, you I mean, you're looking at like four to six hours before you're going to get out there or get out of there. And all that time, your body is not moving. Your body is not generating heat. You're not creating warmth for yourself. And something like a broken ankle could kill you from hypothermia that you get right. in the process of waiting for a rescue. So this is purely for your safety, for being out there. Um, and it's for the worst case scenario. It's always hope for the best, prepare for the worst. We're not trying to scare you or anything. Um, the likelihood that you have to use this gear is very low, but it's something that you need to have in case. Um, if you go run any court uh, races um, in Europe, you're going to have to carry the same stuff right. because they know <laughs> what can happen. Um, for some reason, uh, a lot of United States races just don't require this, and um, it kind of baffles my mind. But luckily, I think the tide's changing on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, you are going to be required to carry a, uh, a headlamp the entire time. Uh, the entire time? The entire time, okay. which really doesn't take up any uh, space. Um, and you need to either have backup headlamp or backup batteries for said headlamp. You don't have to carry both. Um, you don't have to have two headlamps and backup batteries. You can have gotcha. one headlamp, backup batteries, or two headlamps. So basically you have a re- redundancy there. Um, and like I said, all these have to be carried at all times. They can't be dropped at a drop bag or picked up at a drop bag. Okay. Um, you need to have a, uh, a weatherproof jacket of some sort. So uh, ideally a seam-sealed jacket. Um I, this is to keep you warm if it, in case it's raining, uh, you know, to keep you dry. That's the goal of this as well. Uh, we also suggest um, to throw a trash bag in your thing. This is just a suggestion. But um, if you do become immobile, a nice thick plastic trash bag, you just stick your head out on it and you basically <laughs> wrap, this, you know, wrap yourself up in it. It's just an extra layer of warmth. It doesn't take up any space in your pack, right. and it uh, doesn't weigh anything. So that's um, just an extra layer. Uh, learned that one from Adam Hill. <laughs> that same day that we were running uh, the art lobe and it was sleeting on right. Him, okay. He brought himself a trash bag, and he was running down the trail. I'm, I'm not surprised. So you got that. Uh, you need to have an emergency bivy. Okay. Um, so a bivy is uh, different than a uh, space blanket. It's the same material, but it can in- you can enclose yourself in it. It's like a space blanket sleeping bag, more or less. Okay. But it's very small. It won't take up much uh, space in your pack. Um, and then you need to have an insulating base layer. 
And that insulating base layer can be the base layer that you're wearing. It doesn't have to be an extra like layer. Like a separate one. Okay. Yeah, but it needs to be a long sleeve. So if you're starting the race with short sleeves or you're planning to drop down to short sleeves, like you have to have a long sleeve layer with you at all times. Okay. Um, so if you're, if you're planning on going short sleeves, you're just going to need to carry an extra shirt in your pack. Um, and then you need to have a warm hat and gloves. A uh, warm hat means like a beanie or a toboggan or whatever people call it. Um, something to, to trap heat on your head um, in some, case you get cold. Someone did ask a question that can they use a buff yes. instead of a hat because yes, a buff. Their, their ponytail or their bun or whatever. They have. Yeah, okay, a buff, buff, a buff is fine. Okay. Buff works because you Great. can make a buff into to Whatever. a warm hat. <laughs> yeah, you make right. it into okay. a hat. <laughs> Great. Um, so something to just keep your head warm there. Um, emergency whistle. And a lot of times your packs already yeah, have this built-in. Built in mm-hmm. um, so, you know, you might not even need an extra whistle. It might be built in your pack. Um, that is in case you, you know, fall off the side of a cliff and you're still alive and you alert people to where <laughs> Gosh. you're at. Or, so or uplifting. You, or you got lost, you know, you, go. you got lost <laughs> in the woods better. and you have no idea where you're at and you can blow the whistle and people know where you're at. Um, you know, like I said, the likelihood that you're using these things is very low, but. Just in case. That. Um, obviously, you need to carry calories. Uh, you need to be carrying food with you. Uh, there's long stretches without aid. Um, if you're just waiting to fit, you know, eat at the aid stations, you're going to have a rough time. Um, you're going to bonk pretty hard. Uh, you need to have enough uh, water to carry, uh, you know, ideally 40 ounces. I know that sometimes the bottles on packs can be, like, just shy of that. Right. Uh, like, 18 ounces per bottle. So, like, let's just say at least two, two bottles. Two full bottles, Two right. full bottles at a minimum um, or a hydration bladder. Um, you need to have your cell phone. And the cell phone uh, is great because if you call 911 on the cell phone, it will ping your location for rescue, and they know where you're at because there's GPS in most cell phones now. And uh, they can get to you very quickly, or not very quickly, but quicker than they were if they were trying to search for you and they don't know where you're at. Um, And then obviously you're going to have the GPS unit that that we'll be giving you. And the GPS unit is just – it's a small – you know, it's about the size of um, a cigarette lighter. Okay. And basically, um, like a Zippo, like a cool cigarette lighter. No. Okay. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you'll have that, and that needs to be worn on the top of your pack, and that will be given to you race morning. That needs to be somewhere in your pack that's above. It that can't be stuffed in the bottom. If you stuff it in the bottom of your pack and you've got your it's jacket. It's not going to track you. Yeah. Everything, it's not going to track you. So it needs to be up high. Uh, we will have some like electrical tape that you can tape it around the outside edge of your your running vest uh, as well. If you're you know running with a hip belt um, situation, you know like a fanny pack, uh, just make sure it's on the top zipper of the fanny pack and not stuffed down in the right. fanny pack somewhere. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah, it just needs to be worn there. So that those are the mandatory gear requirements, and like I said, that is for your safety. Um, and most of those items are if you become immobile. Um, what we're really trying to do is stave off hypothermia right. in those situations. Um, 
And, and will you be checking those throughout the day or is it yes, just like yes. at random times? So just random, make sure you yeah, have it. There'll okay. be random aid checks that we, you still have all your gear. And uh, pacers, pacers must carry all these gear, okay. all these gear requirements too. Um, so, you know, when you start at uh, Buck Spring Gap, you're going to make sure you need to have all that stuff. Okay. Um, and, you know, that will obviously be a spot where everything's going to be getting checked um, okay. just because we have pacers joining as well. So make sure you have your gear. Um, it's very important. So, yes. And then I'll go ahead and answer a question that I know that will probably get a- asked, but polls are permissible in the event. You can have polls. I always get asked, can I have polls? Sure. Um, so you can have polls. Uh, the only thing we say is like at the start, keep them stayed away because mm-hmm. people are going to be bunched up. You know, once things start spreading out after a mile or so, yeah. then you can you can pull them you out. Can pull them out. Um, that way, we're not stabbing people. <laughs> um, so I think the I think the only other question would be, and and you don't have to answer this extensively, but in case the parkway closes, since there are several parkway crossings, mm-hmm. how will you communicate? your new route so here's the thing we are very familiar with the parkway and how (laughs) they operate right and the parkway is very sensitive to weather so they will close it down like Like, that yeah um even for like a dusting which is very annoying but um we know why they do it because they don't want to scrape the parkway uh scraping the parkway would just cause more maintenance issues for them they don't have the funding that the DOT does uh, to fix things. Um, so they they don't leave it open during winter weather. And so you usually have to wait for the sun to melt anything that has happened. So it might have snowed, you know, the week before the event, but it hasn't but been hasn't warm melted. enough right. to, to melt the ice around the tunnels. Right. And so they will keep it closed for a long time. So we should have a pretty good idea if the parkway is going to be open well before the day of. Okay. So our our call is we'll be making a call on the course um, uh, no later than Wednesday night. So okay. Wednesday night we we'll will make, make the call. call, and part of that is because we will be marking the course on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> right. We need to know we need which to course know right. We are. right. <laughs> So, um, and you obviously already have something planned, which you don't have yeah. to go through that, but yeah, I mean, you'll send that out via email to all the, yeah, it's, I'll send about via email. The, the map for that route is also in the participant guide. Oh, perfect. So okay. you will have a copy of that route. Um, we don't have like the aid station breakdowns and everything on it, but we at least have that route. Okay. And then, uh, you know, that Wednesday when we let everyone know which route we're using, we'll, if we're using the alternate route, we'll give you the new aid locations and cutoff times and all that stuff for there. Okay. Um, so just looking at the route, uh, the alternate route is equally as awesome. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is a really, really cool route. Um, it really showcases the best of what Pisca has to offer. It follows a lot more of the 50-mile uh, route that we used to use. Okay. Um, so you'll still get to cross over Pilot Mountain, um, and uh, but then you get to go down Farlow Gap. Ooh, yeah, that's so, a fun one. Yeah. So um, it's like sliding down Farlow. <laughs> yeah. So it's very similar to the the 
the old looking glass 50 miler, except okay. we extend and go across the road on 276 uh, again. So we're not all just on that one side. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah, so roughly your fault, the first, um, the first 16, 17 miles are the same um, as the original route. Okay. And is when you get to Farlow Gap that the route starts changing. And so from there, you'd go down Farlow Gap to Daniels Ridge. And uh, so there will be a cruise a accessible aid station at Daniels Ridge. Uh, from there, you'll uh, go up past like Cove Creek Falls, um, get on Synard Ridge Trail, just like the old course. Um, and uh, there'll be an aid station at the Synard Ridge Trailhead where uh, 475B road is and then you'll get on 475b you'll cross the road uh on us 276 and get on avery creek road for a short bit and then you'll climb up to um uh bennett gap trail and you'll go down bennett gap trail and you go back join back up avery creek there'll be an aid station there which will be crew accessible and then you'll climb up avery creek road uh, join Avery Creek Trail at a certain point there and then tie it back into Black Mountain Trail and finish down Black Mountain Trail. Perfect. You've so, already got it. You've already got it handled. Yeah. So it's a really pretty course. Mm -hmm. uh, there is some incredible views off Bennett Gap Trail um, that people will get to see. Um, there's extra waterfalls that are not on the uh, current course, um, the original or the official course. So there's extra waterfalls, there's extra overlooks. So it's still a really pretty course. Um, you're just missing out on the balds. It's right. really what you're missing out, which is obviously the best part, um, which is why we're going over them. But right. uh, <laughs> but you have you you know you you've already planned this, mm -hmm. and as you know, Parkway can be super. Uh, Super finicky. So. Super finicky. And so it, you have to plan ahead. And yep. so that's that's great that you have an, an awesome course. Yeah. So we have alternative. Two, yeah, we have two great courses. We have a great alternative course. We have a great, um, you know, actual course. They're, the elevation gain on them is very similar. Okay. Um, I think the alternate course is slightly shorter, maybe by a mile. So um, instead of, you know, 62, it's 61. Okay. Um, and, uh, there's a little bit less gain in the, I think there's a thousand feet less gain in the alternate oh, course. That's, yeah, that's not but, much difference. Yeah, it's not much difference. So, you know, if, whatever you've been training for and preparing for, it's going to be very similar. Okay. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the last 20 are probably not as easy as the last 20 of the <laughs> original course. Um, but, um, you know, it, it is very comparable very similar um and it's a great course it is equally as stunning so i feel very good about it good. Uh, no matter what year we're do we're racing the race um and whatever the, the parkway is doing like we're gonna have an amazing course and people are gonna have a great time um and they're both full loops they're they're full-on loops loop yeah. courses around <laughs> the looking glass rocks not so, the outbacks so um, so participant guide comes out when it should be out by Friday. By Friday, mm -hmm. so today is actually Halloween, and Today's so Halloween. so this coming Friday, mm -hmm. and then um, like you said, the Wednesday before you'll you'll be able to find out what the course is going to be, whether or not yep. it's going to stick with the original or go to the alternate plan. Correct. 
Correct. And well, I just wish you the absolute best. And of course, I'll be out there and (laughs) I'm excited to to be out there volunteering and pacing for Sarah. So yay, I'm excited. Thank you for coming on here and going through the whole thing. Thank you for having me. Hopefully, you know, people enjoy it and glean some information from it and uh, feel a little bit more confident going into the race. Sure. And I'll put your email on their website. Um, you know, even registration information, things like that. So that, I mean, obviously people can reach out to you, but if for some reason somebody wants to send me a question, I'll just make sure it gets answered um, for, for them too. Sounds great. Thank you, Brandon. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to Facing Vert. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please like, follow, and share with your friends. You can also find us on Instagram at FacingVert. If you'd like to reach out to me, message me there. I hope to see you at the top of the mountain.